your name today. We give you praise. Worship you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in your presence again. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of your spirit. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. Thank you for the throne of grace. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the calling, our high calling. Thank you for the blood of that calling, the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for creating, Lord, a house, a place of feasting for our soul. Our Lord, our shepherd, we take nothing for granted. This evening, we just bring to you our reverence. We bring to you our worship. We ask, Lord, that you accept our heart. Our heart is our offering tonight as what we have to offer to you, our Lord. That's what we bring, Lord. We ask, oh Lord, that it will be acceptable to you. Thank you, Father. We worship you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, the revealer of the truth. Thank you for the spirit of the throne, the searcher, the Holy Ghost, the, the light, the lambs before you, before your throne, sent into all the earth. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus tonight. Lord Jesus, we ask you in, that you come and delight, Lord, in our gathering tonight. And Lord, May we not just do our own thing, but we ask that your presence, your grace will visit us today. Thank you for the release of understanding, release of the spirit of wisdom. Thank you, Father, for the release of God, of permission from your heart, Lord, to us to come nearer through words. Father, we ask that you open your word to us today and cause clarity Bring direction. Bring, Lord, leading, Father. Come and paint your pictures. Come and bring, Lord, let there be an entrance of your word. And let that entrance give light tonight. Father, I pray for every heart that you will use this word, Lord, to make war against darkness, Amen. against ignorance, Lord. Father, I pray that let this word be as a sharp instrument tonight to pierce our depths. Father, you said the word of God is quick and powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and of the spirit. Father, I pray that that word will flow freely this night. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your name. Oh, Lord, we put on the, the cloth of meekness tonight and 
we put on the, the, the garment of brokenness, the ornament of a broken heart, a, a contrite spirit, Lord. That's what you look for. That's what you desire. We pray tonight you will help us, Jesus. Lord, thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. And good evening to everybody. God bless you. Um, please just welcome someone and say you're welcome. See, it's happy to see you again. Praise God. Amen. I'm, I'm glad to see everyone. Amen. Um, last week was awesome. Thank God for what God did through the convention. Many of us were blessed by the convention. You know, I don't need to ask because I know everybody was. <laughs> everyone was so, 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 so blessed. It was so wonderful. It was so awesome. Thank God. Thank God for days like this, for times like this, for seasons like this, and when there is so much, there is so much dryness and drought in the world. But God is, God is getting across to His people, and there's so much abundance. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, so we're going to be, I mean, we'll, I think this is the beginning of our convention preparation season. Praise God. Many of us know we have a convention coming up. Some of us, some of us know, okay. <laughs> Praise God. If someone didn't raise their hand, tell them that there's a convention. <laughs> Let them know. <laughs> Praise God. So, Amen. By God's grace, from the from the fifteenth, the fifteenth. Praise God to eighteenth. Amen. Uh, in Edmonton, the Lord will visit us greatly. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I think this is the beginning of our preparation towards that. Uh, we'll be praying by God's grace um, over the next how many days now? Um, but I think almost every day, right? Apart from meeting days that's from normal meeting days that's saturday and wednesday and sunday of course praise god and then we will we will uh, do that until this the second and then edmonton will take over they will they'll have their own prayer meetings there as well which by god's grace will be able to connect online amen and our, our last meeting here will be on the 4th of of september and after that we will we'll take a break and prepare for the convention. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. Um, let's just go into the word tonight. Praise God. I'm happy to see some faces. I won't, I won't mention names. So, <laughs> praise God. So, Others won't feel like I'm not happy to see you. <laughs> Praise God. I'm happy to see everybody. Amen. Um, please, can you help me appreciate my wife for... Uh, for uh, Amen. I know she's been looking for a way to leave this ministry. <laughs> but, <laughs> Praise God. But it's just a, just a matter of time, just tarrying. So that used to be my ministry eh, for years. 
for a very long time. That was my ministry. I did it and did it and did it, praise God, until um, it was time to move into something else. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Glory to your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Lord, we receive direction tonight. We receive direction from you, Lord. We're looking to you. We're looking to your, your spirit. And we are, we are hoping and trusting in your grace, Lord, for, for clarity. And, Father, for leading by your spirit into pastures. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Father, may the, may the wine of your, of your spirit, Lord, may it be open. May it pour out, Father, the wine that leads and guides hearts, Lord, into fresh encounters, into fresh experiences, Lord, into, into new grounds, into new terrains, into new places, into new places of inheritance. Father, release the spirit to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Okay, let's open to Hebrews. chapter 2. Praise God. Um, okay, I'll read from I'll read from verse verse 10. I think we, we read this, I think, last time. I don't know if this was where we read last. Can you remember? Was this the place? This was the place. Amen. Yeah. So, uh, my heart is going there again today. Um, thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 2, I'll read verse, verse 10. It says, for, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings, praise God, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, praise God. Um, if we go back up to verse, um, let's see, verse, verse 6, it says, but one in a certain place Testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Says, Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. And thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he 
left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Amen. And he was crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and, and then by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through what? Through sufferings. Praise God. So verse 5 um, says, sorry, verse 9, the, the verse before, verse 10. It says that we, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than, than angels for the suffering of death. What we see Jesus means they're talking about the aspect of him that is clearly visible, right? Because before that, in verse 8, they spoke about all things being put under his feet without leaving anything, Right? All things being put under his feet without leaving anything that's not put under his feet. But he says, we, that has happened, but we don't see it. <laughs> we don't see it being put under his feet. But it's what we see. We see, we see who? We see Jesus. Uh, praise God. We see who? We see Jesus who was, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of what of death and then was crowned with glory and honor so that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man then for it became him by whom are all things and for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect of course this captain of their their salvation is who is Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. So this Jesus is the visible, the word Jesus actually means the part of the meaning of Jesus is the visible, the visible element, so the visible portion of salvation. Praise God. The, the word Jesus, Yeshua, right? Yeshua is his, is his Hebrew name. Yeshua means the Lord saves. Amen. The Lord saves, or the Lord is our salvation. Praise the Lord. So, so Jesus is, the, is uh, the manifestation of salvation. He's the outward manifestation. He's the manifestation of salvation in the realm of man. Praise God. So, now man, man has a long journey according to what God has proposed and what God has designed concerning man. Man has actually a very long journey to take. In other words, everything that man needs will become. All the things that man needs to become. And it, when you look at it, where man is coming from, where he where he's this landing point at first, where he descended into, where they are bringing him from, and where they are taking him to, amen. 
man has a very, very what, long, long journey, and praise God. And so there is that journey of man is not very, very clear. It's not very visible. It's not very apparent. In fact, most men don't even know most of the journey. In fact, most men aren't even aware that men are journeying to a place. That the souls of man is actually journeying to a destination. Praise the Lord. But in man's, in man's journey, there is a challenge. The challenge of in, in, our, in the journey of man or the designed journey of man is that the whole part of his journey is not, is not visible or is not manifest, right? It's not, it, it actually takes some kind of help, supernatural, serious supernatural help for man to see the fullness of his journey, to be able to understand the word fullness of where. So if, you, if you're able to look, step outside yourself and look at yourself, and then look at your soul, and then try and imagine where should this soul journey to. You have a very great limitation to what you can imagine. You, can, you can't think too much about where man is going to. Your greatest thinking is when man, maybe when you, a man falls to the ground. And, that, and a lot of times that is when it becomes very, very clear. We don't really know much about the, the, <laughs> the trajectory of the souls of men. We are very, very ignorant about it. Because when, once someone falls to the ground, someone dies, then all the story stops. Everything stops all of a sudden. Amen. And then beyond that point, no one has insight. It takes supernatural provision to bring forth insight beyond that, the, the visible expression and the visible manifestation of the existence of of, a, of, a, of of man. And people have had all kinds of ideas. Some people say that when man dies, he just vanishes. That's it. He just, just ceases to exist and that's the end, nothing. There's no consciousness after death and all that. And then some people say, yeah, there's consciousness, but yeah, people have different ideas of where men are going to. Praise God. Um, but, and I'm not even speaking about that one after you die. You know, I'm just, that's just an example to make us know that there is something about, the, there's a lot about, we don't know about the soul of man. We don't know, for example, where man came from. We don't know about man's origin, right? I mean, in God, before he came out of God. Praise God. You know, God created the spirit, the spirit of man, right? God created man, right? I mean, man wasn't there before. God created man, but in the book of Genesis chapter 2, the Bible, the Bible doesn't say God created, God formed. Right? But what God formed, what he gave formation was actually residing in him as a breath. Right? It was the, it's a God breathed into man. He formed man of the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostril the breath of life. And then he became a living soul. So it means the soul property was, was a property of God's breath. Do you agree? I mean, when all you call soul today, praise God, the heart was the breath of God. And the, I mean, the heart that was in Adam's soul and the, and the mind in Adam's soul, those were actually formations of God's breath, right, that um, God had to bring 
together. So when God wanted to make the body house the spirit, right? God had to say, wow, a spirit can't just stay in body like that. They can't touch one another. So God had to bring out of his breath, right, the, what you call soul. Amen. And he, when he brought that, then he said man became what? A living soul. Praise the Lord. So, and then that thing God breathed into man was very, very significant because that then characterized what you call the man, right? It didn't say man was made a living spirit. It said he was made what? A, a living soul. Because Why? It's because the soul is what archives and traps the present nature and also the journey of man. Everything about that man, is the, the record is inside the soul. The soul is the record keeper of the man. Do you agree with that? So what that means is that if you want to check what kind of a man is this, if when you go to the spirit, you won't know really. Because the spirit cannot tell you. The spirit doesn't keep the record of it. it is, and if you go to the body, you will very, make a very huge mistake. You cannot tell what kind of a man he is when if you look at the body of a man, the, the place where you can tell a man is in his soul. Is the reading of the soul. Are you, you getting what I'm saying? So when he said that man became a living soul, it means that man was what was written in his soul. So for every man, for you, for you, for you, for you, for you, for you, for all of us, you are what is written in your soul. Do you get that? Amen. Does that make sense to you? The, the, the spirit, the soul, the body, they are different in their nature, right? The, the spirit is a, the spirit of man is a creature of potential, right? It's a, it's a creature of potential. In fact, when you see just a spirit without a soul, what that spirit is has not happened yet, right? It's a, the spirit, what, is, what your, you are in your spirit, when you say, oh, I'm Christ in my spirit, yes, you are Christ in your spirit, but you're actually a potential Christ. Right? Because that spirit, they can't take that spirit anywhere just by itself and it be able to operate as a Christ. So it is a potential. Praise God. Do you see that? It is a what? It is a what? It's a potential. Your spirit man is a potential. When you, when you were dead and they raised you back to life, they just put a potential. Amen. So, so the, the accurate word of your, of the accurate description of your spirit is who you should be. That's the accurate description of your spirit, man. Right? Is who you should what? Is who you should be. But the record of who you are is in your soul. Right? The soul has a record of who you are. Amen. Are you? Do you get what I'm saying? That's why they, they said man became a living soul. Because it is what his soul was. That's what was, that was who he was. Amen. Amen. Now, so here they are speaking about this man. They, they generalized first in this, sometimes reading this place that Paul wrote, I'm, I'm caught in between. Is he talking about Adam? Is he talking about Jesus? Is he talking about all men? Sometimes I felt that way. Um, but it's very clear that the spirit of what he's saying is that he's, he's trying to show how Jesus Christ is actually a pattern. He's actually a, Jesus Christ is a, 
um, was uh, is a is a type, right? Is a type of man, or it's not just a type; it's a prototype of man. So, and what that means is that anything that happens to him can happen to any man. It can be applied to any man. Do you understand that? It can be what applied to any man. So, when it says here that he he made him a little lower than the angels, crowned him with glory and honor, and did set him over the works of thy hands. Verse 8, it says, Thou hast put all things in subjection under what? His feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put what? Under him. But we see Jesus. So what he's saying is that generally, when it comes to man generally, we don't yet see all things put under him. Praise God. But there is someone who we can see. There's somebody who we can see, but we see Jesus. We can see Jesus. So, so Jesus is actually the, the person who, of course, he came to fulfill. Right? He, he came to fulfill everything that man ought to become. Right? That's one of the, the main reasons for Jesus. He came to fulfill everything that man is supposed to what? To become. He came to, he came to be it. He came to do it. He came to fulfill it. Amen. So, now, when one of the main reasons for a prototype is for demo, is for demonstration. Like, you build a prototype for, to demonstrate not just a theory, right? After you've done all the theory, you've calculated, you've checked everything, the math makes sense, you've checked, you've done your test and everything on your theory, and people have come and reviewed it, and Everyone is satisfied, okay, this thing will work. The next step you need to do is to build a prototype, right? Another word for prototype is model. Amen. So you see those words, prototype and models. When you hear the word model, all you might think is something that, when you say that's a model car, then you see, you think of one small thing that looks like a toy car. That's not model. That's not the word model. That thing is not a model. If you cannot enter it, drive it around. And if you cannot do what a car should do, it's not a model. So the model means the first of that thing that was made. Right? It was it means the first exact operate, operational working entity that was produced. That is what you call the prototype. Prototype is an, an exact work that was what completed. And the purpose of the prototype is to demonstrate something that is something that first resides as a potential in a sense. You know what I mean? Something that resides maybe in theory form. That's the scientific word, right? Something that resides in theory, right? Form or the purpose of a, of a prototype is to bring to life what something that is written, right? To the first, the first 
bringing to life of what is written. That is what you call a prototype or you call a model. The first bringing to life of that thing. Amen. And so, and the purpose of bringing to life is for demonstration. Right? The demonstration of what is possible. Amen. Amen. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. So, so here it's saying that we, so we don't now see yet all things put under man, right? All things as in, we don't yet visualize it. But then there is a, there is a way that they begin to introduce the visualization of this reality that is so, of course, what they're trying to show here is they're trying to tell you what is in God's mind concerning man. Right? What is something? So, what is man? What is man that thou art mindful of him? What is man? This was uh, David's heart that was raising a quest, right? Because he has found something about man and God, probably from his own self. Maybe he has weighed himself and found that there's nothing worth being mindful of about this person. When you read David, you know that that's how he felt about himself. And then, you know, that makes you wonder, okay, why is God, why has God been following me around, this non-entity, this, this nothing? Why is God mindful about this nothing? So one day he sat down and asked the question, what is man that God is what? Mindful of him. And, and David now also realized that man is not an afterthought of God. It's not... Man is not a thought that enters God's mind when God has finished everything and he was about to sleep at night and he's nothing to think about and then man comes. That's not how he found that that God's mind is full of man. That praise God. He said, I found David, a man after my heart. Now he said, I found him, like he was looking for him since. Right? When he said a man, when you when you find someone, when you say I found someone after my heart, it means he has been looking for a man after his heart. He has been looking for, so I perceive he has, God has been looking for someone that can pursue him the way he has been pursuing man. And then finally, oh, I found, oh, I found a man. I found a man that can follow me the way I am following after, after man. Praise God. So you see, in God's mind, when God is thinking about man, when they say God is, God is mindful of him, it's not, ah, I remembered, ah, your face just flashed in front of God or something. That's how we tend to think of things. But it's not that. When God, God is a, he's a God. He's a spirit. Amen. God's, God's thought, God's, God's thinking, there's no, God doesn't think arbitrarily. Every, every thought in God is sound. It's perfect. There's completeness with his thought. When God thinks about a thing, he, he travels to the end of it. He there's not, when he finishes thinking about it, you find that there's nothing left to be thought about. Are you getting what I'm saying? Like, like some of us, we go to school for years to learn how to think. Eh? <laughs> Am I correct? That's, a, that's, what I, that's what I discovered after so many years in school. It took me a long time to discover that. Thing. Praise God. At first, I thought I went to school to be a, learn how to be an engineer. Then after a while, one year, and I realized that this whole thing is not really about being an engineer. Because I now found out that engineering is too great and too big for me to come out of here in four or five years and feel I know anything. 
Are you getting what I'm saying? So how did they choose out of everything in electrical engineering what to teach me? And I figured, ah, it's not really about teaching me everything. It's about teaching me how to think. That, that's, that's the purpose of, of post-secondary education. It's like, well, these days it has, it has changed. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> these, days, <laughs> these days is different. Amen. Um, but, but normally, ideally, that's how it's, it was. That's how it's supposed to be. Normally, you go there. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because, because when you go there, they are preparing you to solve problems that, you don't, that maybe were not even in existence when they wrote your textbook. So you, but you have to be able to go into the world and solve those problems. So, so instead of teaching you the present knowledge and focus on that, rather they, they prepare you to think that how did we solve all these problems? Can we impart the same way of thinking into you so you can go and solve problems that don't even exist? You know, you know what I mean? So, so, and then they, they train you and train you and train you, but now it's covered that teaching a person how to think well is a very, very difficult, very difficult task. That after he has taught everything here, now find out that there's a whole world of things he didn't even think about. That's the limitation of man. But God is not like that. So, so when God takes thought, God's thought is deep. God's thought is wide. God's thought is, is thorough. He thinks thoroughly about things. Amen. That's, there's a soundness to the thought of God. Amen. And concerning, when he said, for I know the thoughts I have towards you. They are thoughts of good, not of... You know, sometimes we don't trust that thing too much. Right? Why? Because some of your friends who too, I'm thinking about you, and then you now realize that these guys are not thinking about me. <laughs> this person just said that. Amen. So, but in that God is not like that. Sometimes you can put man's limitation on God. But God, if God said, I know the thoughts I have for you, they are good and they are not of evil to bring you to an expected that what expected the expectation of for your end, where you should end up. He's talking about the is the work of his thought. When is it is expected? It's not that he expected for you. It's not where you expect to end up. Is that God has finished your path in His mind? He thought everything out. He has thought it out. He has thought everything out. It's an expected end. I said those thought about the expected end is the thought I have towards you. So, it's, 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 so when you, you can't capture God's thought about you right, without bringing in the sense of his own will, his own sovereign will. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so it is the mind. It means that you, the thought God has for you pass, pass through the thought. It's his own mind. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know what I mean, brother? So that's why it is a fallacy for a man to think that God's thought towards him is to buy a house or to buy a car. You can't, that is too, it's almost insulting. That is insulting for a man to think that God doesn't think more about him than corruptible things. It's, it's, too, it's too insulting almost to God. Amen. So, so this thing called here, that, that when he says that, that his mind, his mindful of man, this mindfulness has to do with all the wills of God, right, concerning man. All of God's wills concerning man. So it's very clear that you can't see all those things at once. Do you see that? So, but they say, okay, now let us, let us raise one prototype. We're going to finish this whole work inside a man, right, which was the 
the Logos that came down. Amen. Who was in the form of God and he came down. He took on our own nature. Right? He called it the nature of a servant. Amen. And, and he came here and God raised him up. Now, now, one thing about Jesus, and this is where the Lord needs to help us, is to, to begin to understand the, the, the way God has broken down the seasons of the scene of what is in Jesus. What is in Jesus? What is in Jesus is the is the fullness of God's thought towards man. Right. It is the, the mindfulness of God towards man. Mindfulness means thinking. The thinking of God. The reasoning of God towards man. The, so Jesus was a fullness of it. Jesus, he finished everything. That, that when, he, when he appeared to, to God in that Hebrews chapter 1, it was God's thought coming back to him, right? That this is what I thought about, right? What I thought about, it was checking. They were checking. He first allowed him, pass through the angel, let the angels check because the angels, they know some things about my thoughts. So he allowed him to ascend from, through the realm of angels and they were watching him. They were watching, oh my God, what a flawless thing. What a flawless thing. This is the perfection. This is the perfection. Aspects of God's thinking that they've not been able to perfect, they are still working on. You know, some angels in their different realms are working on the, the will and the pleasure of God. Aspects they have not able to perfect that they've left for other beings. He's, he, began, he's, he saw a man who, was, who has been perfected in all those things. And then he finally came. After all, the angels finished worshipping. Because what would make the angel worship him? Is because what angels worship is found in him. What do angels? Well, angels, they worship the thought of God. You get what I mean? They, it's the thing because everything about God, God is, is his thoughts, his reason, what is on the, what's the inside of him, the, the fullness of his righteousness and his judgment. That's what manifests in the realm of angels. Are you getting me? If you ask an angel, what, what do you, okay, what is your, what is your reason for being? What is your reason for your existence? He will just tell you, okay, I have one allocation of God's mind that I'm, I'm framed to do. Something about in God's mind. Are you getting me? That I'm framed to execute by my nature. That's who angels are. Do you get that? David was speaking about that in Psalm 103. Right? He said, bless you the Lord, all ye his angels that excel in strength. Hearkening unto the voice then bless you, the, the, all you ministers that do his... Are you saying it's the same thing? The same kind of thing. Those want to do his pleasure. Amen. The other one, hacking. They have a greater hacking power. In other words, their allocation out of God's mind, which they do, is higher than the others. Then you come down and say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Why they added the soul there is because the soul of man is also meant to have his allocation of God to execute and to finish. Praise the Lord. Are, are we making sense tonight? I'm seeing, a, I'm seeing a very, very long journey in the scripture. And I'm just going to take my time. 
Because anywhere we stop today, we, we, we will continue to build it up. Praise the Lord. There is a great open door. A great open door. A great open door. There is a great open door. A great open door. A great door. A glorious door. A great door is open. And the, and the, I, the, the Lord is beckoning on, on us. As many who are willing to take flight and to take journey and to move and to, to journey into and pass through this door, the Lord is, has released so much grace and so much help and so much power for, for journey. Access, 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 entrance, passage, 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 passage. The Lord wants to grant passage passage through this door. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Oh, we give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Amen. Do you have for there is great light shining there is great light shining my great light is shining my great light is shining my great light it is shining my great light has shown open 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 for the door my great light has opened for the door for my shisha shapateneo sopeliaga divanto sopretelite tetale manata Pretevenota, Pretevenota, for your shepherd, your shepherd, the bishop of your soul, he who has become that what you have ordained to become, has opened for the door, and he is taking you. Walk ye before him, walk ye after him, follow his path, follow his path, for he is the light, he is the light, he is the perfect light. He is the perfect light. He is working before you. Walk after him. For he is the perfect light. For there is great entrance. There is great entrance. There is great entrance. There is great entrance. For fix your gaze on the light. Fix your gaze on the path. For the door is open. The door is open to become what I have intended for you to become. Says the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. So, it says, but now we see not yet all things. But now, it doesn't say here, when he's speaking about putting all things in subjection under his feet. Now, when God created the first man, Adam, God did that in a measure, in a type, right? Because 
God made him. He says, that let us make money in our image and our likeness. That means that in his, in his present place where he's situated, he should, he should have a measure of an exhibition of our image and our likeness. And he went on to say, let him have dominion and began to speak about the nature of the dominion which he will have in the, in the earth, in the earth. Amen. Praise God. But so, of course, we know that, that God, that word Adam, we now understand that the Adam was actually a type. So that type, so it means that if you typify Adam, you have to typify his, his image, typify his likeness, and typify his dominion. It means his dominion is also a type. Do you understand? So I mean, when you come into the realm of the earth and see an Adam on the earth that has a certain kind of dominion, is that that kind of a man should have dominion of all things in his order and in his realm. Are you getting what I'm saying? So he was actually he was a type, him having that kind of dominion, all things being under his feet in the earthly dimension was actually a demonstration of some kind of a reality in the mind of God, which he saw. Because by that time, God was already seeing the world to come. He was already seeing the new man. He was already seeing everything. Amen. So, so, that, so Adam, that kind of his dominion, was a type of the actual dominion, where not all just things. Remember in the book of um, Amen, after he was exalted in Philippians chapter 2, right? Therefore, had he highly exalted him and then given him a name, right? That is above every other name. That at the mention of that name, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. Amen. Am I correct? So when he says every knee, that word knee, because of that name which he had, is not just knees on the earth. Did he say it there? In heaven and where? In earth and under the are you seeing? So, in heaven, in where? In earth. It means that that word, when you say heaven, earth, under the earth, they are speaking of the realms of habitation, of everything in the present. Everything in the present, you find them in realms. And then when he received his name, that everything should bow to that name. Do you understand that? So, that was that dominion in the book of, in the book of Ephesians as well. Ephesians chapter 1. Praise God, do you remember that when it was praying to him, to sorry to the Lord, that the God of our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ will grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, right? That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his, not your calling, the hope of his calling. What is the render riches of the glory of his inheritance? In the same. Are you seeing that? And then the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. Are you seeing that? That exceeding greatness. When they use the word exceeding greatness. That is not just great. He is exceedingly great. Exceed. Exceedingly greatness. Means that he is, he is great beyond everything. See, so the exceeding greatness of his power. Now, that power in which he's great in that way is towards us who believe. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So that power is towards us. But let's move further. Who believe? 
right? According to the working of his might power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above what all principalities and what power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only where in this world, but also in that which is to come. And I don't what put all things under his feet. Over all principle, all things to the church, his body, of him that filleth all in all. Are you seeing are you seeing that? So that is the work that was completed in him. That was his work. So so you are now seeing how the type of Adam, when the, so the type of Adam now being manifested in the second man, because Adam was the first man, and the second man coming forth, and his own type, including the typification of his dominion, right? But this man had it in an absolute sense. Are you seeing that? So, so when he says here, that we see he has put all things in subjection under his feet. What they are telling you is, of course, that happened with Adam in Adam's own sphere. But now, it has also happened with also the second man. Amen. And God has also put all things where? Under his feet. And then when he, in that he put all things in subjection under him, amen, he left nothing that is not put under him. He has he left nothing out of it. But now we see not yet. So we don't see those things being put under him. Do you see that? We don't see it. We don't see those things being put under him. But there is something that we see. There is an aspect of him that we see. We see and as we can we can capture him from a point. God made it such that when he designed his descent and his advent towards and then his journey that they must reserve an entry point through which we will see him. Where the the beginning of our side from him will start. Do you, do you understand now? Praise God. So he says, but we see Jesus. So what, where do you, do you start seeing? You see Jesus, who was made what? A little lower than the angels for the word, suffering of death. That you now saw him crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should do what? Taste death for every man. Praise the Lord. Say, we see Jesus. We see Jesus.
Amen. Now, this word Jesus here is not just Jesus of Nazareth. When you see when you see the word Jesus, Jesus is actually it says in the name of a person. I agree, but Jesus is actually a journey personified. He's a, a journey personified. He's a person, but it's when you say Jesus, you see, it's a journey that has been personified. In a person, a journey in a person, journey of man, personified. So you see this man called Jesus. This is the man that all men are supposed to see. Praise God. All men are supposed to do what? All men are supposed to see Jesus. They are supposed to see Jesus. All men are supposed to see what? Jesus. So, now the scene of Jesus are in levels. There are levels of Jesus. At first, you can see Jesus who was made a little lower than angels. That's one level of him that you see. Then later, you see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. <laughs> Praise God. You see him made a little lower than the angels. That's one level of sighting of Jesus. Then there's another level of seeing Jesus that has been crowned with what? Glory and honor. He's still Jesus. So, so Jesus is actually a house. He's a house of names. Jesus is a house of names or is a house of inheritances. A house of names. A house of inheritances. Do you, do, you get, do you get what I mean? Praise God. So Jesus is a house of names. What? And is a house of inheritance. So Jesus, um, Jesus must be, now Jesus must be seen. He must be opened up. He must be seen. Amen. The first Jesus that was seen was Jesus of Nazareth. How many of us agree that the first Jesus that was seen was Jesus of what? Of Nazareth. That was the first, first visualization of, of Jesus. Now, none of us saw Jesus of Nazareth. Right, you never. How many of us saw him? Amen. <laughs> Praise God. You know when they say Jesus of Nazareth, they are not just saying Jesus, Jesus Christ. Like Jesus, if you say Jesus appeared to me in my room, the Jesus that appeared to you is not Jesus of Nazareth. It's not Jesus of Nazareth. It's not Jesus. So it's not everybody saw Jesus of Nazareth. And not everybody has to see Jesus of Nazareth. 
some people did not see him. Paul never saw Jesus of Nazareth. But Paul saw Jesus. Do you agree? Paul, calls, Paul saw Jesus, but he didn't see Jesus of Nazareth. When he, the scripture says, Jesus of Nazareth, they are speaking of a Jesus. A Jesus. It is the Jesus that was of Nazareth. It was the Jesus of about whom they asked, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Praise God. I will now, and I recall, when I remember that the Bible says that in the book of Acts chapter 10, was it verse 38, it said that how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and then he went about doing what? Doing good and healing all them that were oppressed. For God was with him. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Before Jesus, of, before Jesus of Nazareth came on the scene, in the book of Luke was the one who really explained the, the trajectory of, or, sorry, the, explained the, the process of the stages of the development of Jesus. Am I correct? Before he, before he bore that name, right? You know, he didn't bear that, even though they named him. How many of you know every name is a prophecy? Praise God. The way they actually name is prophetic. Name is a prophecy when you are at the point of naming. So a name is a prophecy that you should become. Praise God. It's a prophecy that that's the way they usually name back then, you know, the way of naming from scripture. It's not just anyhow, it's a, it's a prophecy that they name it and then throughout your life you are trying to live up to your name. You're trying to live up to the name that was given to you. Amen. So when Jesus, you know who named Jesus? It was the angel, right? That when he appeared to, to uh, Mary, amen, he said, you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save the people, sinners from their sins. Praise God. Luke chapter chapter one, verse twenty-seven. Luke one twenty-seven. Verse twenty-six. He said that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee, named Nazareth, right, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. And then thou shalt call his name. 
Jesus. Then verse 32, he shall be great. Now they're telling you about, he's now, he's now interpreting the name. Are you getting me? Because I'm sure when he said to him, you call his name Jesus, she, she being a Hebrew, knows what the name Jesus means. She knows that the word Jesus means that the Lord will save. So he's now trying to explain to her why he shall call his name that. Verse 32 is because he shall be great. First, right, that's the first thing that, that will happen to him. He will, that word great means he will grow, right, into a place of strength until he becomes great. Then when he becomes great, they will now, they will now add a name to him. Are you seeing that? So he shall be called Jesus, but now he now wants to explain to her. The, he's telling you that, she's trying to explain to him what the actual end of his name, like the, the she's, he's explaining the, the, the fullness of his name. What would be the fullness of his name? In other words, you call him Jesus, but really, when he's called Jesus, he will be, he will be developing into names. That word, great. There is no man as great without names. Right? It's, when you see greatness, it's an accumulation of names. A man who has one name is not great. You can see he's a, he's a good man, he's a strong man, he's a nice man. He's nice. A man who is just nice, he's not great, he's just a nice man. A man who is just generous, he's not great, he's just generous. Are you getting me? A man who, who, is, just, who, has, who is strong, he's not great. Is just strong. When you see the word great, it means an encompassing of many, many names. That when someone shows up with names that you can't summarize it, it's, ah, this man, this is great. He's a great man. He's a great man. That's how you measure greatness. That's how also they measure greatness in the spirit. Do you understand? It's also the measure. When you see Jesus in the spirit, when he manifested in the book of Revelation. Amen. Chapter 19. Or so, when they saw him in his robe and he was crowned with many crowns. You see, you see those many crowns? Those crowns are names that are many. When you see Jesus right now, his names are many. His names are actually many. His names are uncountable spiritually. Remember what I said before, that Jesus is a house of names, right? He's a presence, an embodiment of, Jesus is an embodiment of accomplishments that he has, he has made. Praise the Lord. So, so, the, so the first thing is, he shall be great. It means that when, he, after this child that is born, he, needs to fo- he has one task. Focus on one task. It's a task of greatness. That, that, was, the, that was the destiny upon Jesus. He, he, he was a, he was a task of greatness, that this man, this child must become great upon the earth. Praise God. And now, so, he's great. Now, when he becomes great, then, then he will come into the fullness of his name, that he will bear this name called the Son of the Highest. He's still a name inside Jesus. So, first of all, The son, the name, you see, his name Jesus. 
at first, when he was born, he told her what to, what to call him, right? In verse 31, he said, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and then you will bring forth a son, and comma, and you also will call him Jesus. You will call him Jesus. But after his great, he shall be called. Not you. You are not the one who will call him the son of the highest. Uh, right. But that other one, that he will come into a name that you, you can't give him. There's a name that you can call him. But there's another name that you, cannot, you can't give it to him. Then there's a name that you need to have that your father cannot give you. Your, your parents don't even know anything about that thing. Thank God for all our names. Amen. We have different names. So what was even named ourselves? Why you don't like the one your parents gave you? Amen. Are you getting me? But, but then, for, but, so for this one, they said, after Tango, you call him Jesus, right? But they, when he becomes great, they will name him, right? He shall be called now. So this son, if they said, first of all, if, let's read verse, verse, um, verse 31 again. It says that you will conceive and you will bring forth a son now. Of course, when you bring forth a son, you can name him. Right, you can name the son because you brought him forth. But by virtue of his greatness, he will be brought forth again. And the realm from where he's brought from will name him, will give him a name. So the name, we said that's why God has so exalted him. The word exaltation is his greatness. Right? That Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, had God highly exalted him and then given him a name. So that thing in Philippians 2 is the fulfillment of what Gabriel said here. That by virtue of his exaltation, which is his greatness, because of his greatness, what will happen? He shall be called then, the word, the son of the highest. And then the Lord God shall then give unto him the throne of his father, David. Amen. Are you saying something? Amen. Are you seeing this? Praise God. Amen. Um, there's not too much time, but if we, if we go back to, okay, let's see. If we, if we read on here in this look, you see, I think we've seen this before in the scriptures, how they, be, how they refer to him began to change, right? As first it was the babe, right? What? Chapter 2, verse what? 16. The, where they came and found the babe lying in the manger. Right? They called him a babe. Then after then, he became a child. When they said the child grew. Chapter what? Chapter 2, verse... Chapter 2, verse 40. Amen. You see, the child grew and walked strong in spirit. Right? Filled with wisdom and what? The grace of... But he wasn't great yet. He wasn't great. He had grown. He, was, he had worked strong in spirit. That word spirit there is not just... It's not talking about his human spirit. Amen. He wasn't talking about his human spirit, no. When they say 
here, he works strong in spirit. He's talking about the spirit of his soul. Right? This time here, the language here is not, is not really a pistol language. That they are this is still, in a sense, Old Testament language. So he works strong in spirit. That one we say he, his spirit. Right? His spirit. His spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. So that was the spirit of his soul. It means he was waxing strong spiritually in his soul. And he was being filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was what? Upon him. And that was when then you now see at verse 43 from being referring to him as the child, right? They now began to refer to him as the child Jesus. The child Jesus. Amen. And remember, who was Jesus? Jesus was, was to be a son, am I correct? Whose son is Jesus supposed to be? The son, no, he will become the son of the highest, but first, he's first the son of Mary, right? He said, you, you shall bring forth the son, and then you shall call him. Right, you will call him. So, so it means that babe, that babe wasn't yet this, his son. Right? He wasn't even the son of Mary yet. He was Mary's baby. According to the language of sonship. Do you see that? According to the language of sonship, he wasn't even a son yet. She was still nurturing him to become a son. Right. So as at this time, when he was 12, he was a child's son. A child's son is a son that is not fully a son, but he has moved into the school of sonship. Now, he was in the school of sonship at this point. Praise God. And of course, we know the school of sonship is the school of inheritance. It says that a hair differed not from a servant. What was that place again? Colossians chapter. Sorry, Galatians, yes. Galatians 4. Galatians 4, praise God. Verse 1, it says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, right? Though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so, when we are children, we are in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son that was made of a woman then he was made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And then because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, an heir of God through Christ. Praise God. So when you say son here, what they're just telling you is that his son is an inheritor. When you say a son, a son is an inheritor. Praise the Lord. So, so the, a son of, at one level, right, is an inheritor 
of things at that level. Right? Are you seeing that? A son at one level is an inheritor of things at where? At that level. A child at that level is a person who is learning, going undergoing the training that it will take to be an inheritor at that level. Does that make sense? So the time when they began to refer to Jesus as a child was when, say child, child. If you ask me what is the main, the activity of childhood, the activity of childhood is the, is the impartation of wisdom and grace. Do you get that? When you say a child, who is a child? A child is a person into whom, upon whom, you are imparting wisdom and grace. When you're talking about a, a, a child's soul, are you getting me? What you should be imparting to a child is wisdom and grace. Wisdom and grace. Say wisdom and grace. Wisdom and grace. Uh-huh. Amen. Amen. Do you understand that? So if a child is not being imparted with wisdom and grace, the, the child is not being trained up. Right, because the, the purpose of training is for ways. So, it's to, and that's, that's one of the property of a son. A son is an inheritor of ways. The ways of his father is what a son is meant to inherit. Praise God. And when he say, train up a child in the way he should go, so that when he's old, he will not depart from it. So it means that child has a way that he should go. And according to that way that he should go, you train him up according to that way, of course. So, and, and what makes a soul journey in ways is wisdom and grace. Wisdom. So if, you have, if you're raising a child, you don't impart wisdom and grace. You leave that child to... You, the child will take other ways, right? It won't take the way... If you're raising a child and you impart the child with physics, chemistry, biology, and... Uh, every other thing, economics and all, but and you don't impart the child with wisdom and grace. You are not, you are not training up the child according to the way it should go. Is that, that spiritual training is the, is according to this pattern? Amen. Amen. So, amen. amen. so you now say that wisdom and grace is makes what you call strength. So as you are imparting wisdom and grace, so it works strong where. In spirit, not in intellect, right? Some kids can be raised to be work strong in intellect, but they are not strong in spirit. It's good for a soul, a child, to be strong in spirit. When a child is strong in spirit, they are, you, are, you are developing them to make war against, others, against spirits. You get what I mean? Because what, what seduces the soul of a child out of the way you should go are evil, are spirits, right? Are spirits that come and they bring this, this begin to seduce the child and they want to expose the child to another way, the way that they should not go. The child can begin to go in that other way. Are you seeing? So the, the fortification of a, the soul of a child has been developed against contrary ways is the impartation of what? Wisdom and then what? And grace which will amount into strength with spirit. Amen. This is the answer. This is the answer to the current world right now. 
right? Someone called me recently and we were just talking and he was just telling me, wow, how? How do you, how are you, are you as a father, are you, not, are you not bothered by what's going on in the world and all these things? Why are you not concerned about, you know, at some point you have to send your daughter out there and all that? And I, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell him, no, that there is answer to those things. There's answer to what? To, there's answer to those things. There's answer. Praise God. It's the way. It's the way. Strength of spirit. When the spirit of a child is strong, there are some things that cannot, there are things that will not settle in the, in the mind of a child. Now, if you build the intellect of the child and send the child, it's just a matter of me. He just needs to meet someone who's anointed enough to bamboozle his in the mind and intellect and unlock the door of the mind. And before you know, they soon sit there. They will store sit there for you. After some months, the seed will start germinating and your child will start asking you some questions. <laughs> and the thing about that is that you don't know when the seed was sown. By the time it manifests and the child can formulate questions based on seed that has been sown, it's almost, it's very, it has gone far. It's, it's almost, it's quite late. So the intellect, the mind, amen, just training the mind is not enough. Amen. But when the, the child waxes strong in spirit, the strength of their spirit can refuse things that are contrary to the way that that child is being raised to grow. Are you seeing that? So the way that, so how you develop a child is by Wisdom and grace. Wisdom and what? And grace. Wisdom and then what? And grace. So he says, and the child grew and worked strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. And then the grace of God was what? Was upon him. Amen. Amen. So then, verse 42, and when he was 12 years old, he went up to the Jerusalem after the custom of the word of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus, when he was now 12 years old, they now began to refer to him as the child Jesus. The child Jesus means he's beginning to connect the name. Right? He's beginning to do what? He's beginning to connect the name. He's still in the school of the name. Jesus. Do you agree? He's still where? In the school of the name Jesus. Are you, are you seeing that? Amen. Amen. So by this time, he was in the school of being equipped as a savior. Right? So this was when he was 12. Of course, 12, then he then began to grow, and then later on, they now began to refer to him. In the last verse, you see here in the last verse, they referred to him as what? Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor of what? With God and with man. I want us now to zero in a little bit on now this man on this man, Jesus. I 
like I said, Jesus of Nazareth, what they refer to as Jesus of Nazareth, is not, it's not this Jesus. Right? Because Jesus of Nazareth, that word means the Jesus which they knew in, in Nazareth, right? That one who they refer to, are you not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Right? That Jesus of Nazareth means the Jesus who grew in Nazareth. Praise God. So, now, there is some prophetic language of the Holy Ghost here. Every, I see all these scriptures around, like this Luke 1, Luke 2, all of these things. This is high prophetic. High prophetic. Highly, 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 highly prophetic. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Now, Jesus, for example, when, remember when um, Jesus' disciples, um, after um, it was, there were two disciples that, first of all, were with John, after John baptized Jesus. And then the next day, John was walking with two of his disciples, and then he said, Behold the Lamb of God, and two of, disciples were, of John's disciples were with him. One of them was Andrew, Peter's brother, right? And then they came to get with him. They, they were with him that night. And after a while, they went to call. Jesus was going by, and he called some others. Praise God, Philip. And then, I think it was one of them that said, Is this not Jesus? Can anything, good thing, come out of Nazareth? Which of them said that? Was it Nathaniel? It was Nathaniel who said that. When they told him, we've seen the Messiah and everything. He said, look, can any good thing come out of the Nazareth? Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Say, come and see. Remember they said, we see Jesus. We see Jesus. Jesus is meant to be seen. Can you tell somebody, come and see? Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. <laughs> so, when Jesus said, see, when Jesus said that, that was, that was in the book of John, right? You know, John was different. John was, John, John's own book was different from all the, from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they narrated the, you see, the baptism of Jesus. And when the Holy Ghost came upon him, and then I think in all three of those verses, they just, they went straight into him being driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. except John's book. John did not even, I don't think John even mentioned Jesus being driven into the spirit where he stayed 40 days. Praise God. But John, instead, from that point where Jesus was baptized, John began to tell you what happened. He, what happened the next day? Then the next day. So there are details in those times of things that happened that John captured that the other Gospels did not capture. Right. 
Now, when Nathaniel came and said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now, that word is a, is a, is a prophetic statement. When you say any good thing, that word good is good in the order of the good of God. Good, good, the good of God. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So, in other words, Nazareth cannot produce good. Right? What can produce good is something called the anointing of God that they refer to in Acts chapter 10. That God had to take that man of Nazareth and anoint him with the Holy Ghost and with power. Then he went about doing good. And then he went about healing those that were oppressed of the devil. Before that anointing came upon him, that the anointing of God came upon him, I'm, pre, I'm sure probably he, he might have been even... It's possible to be healing those oppressed by the devil without that anointing. But you cannot do good without, without that anointing. That anointing. So, now, when he went about... Say, went about. Went about doing good. He went about, so he took something to come upon Jesus of Nazareth, praise the Lord, to make him begin to do what they call good. Amen. Are you following me? Yes, sir. Are you following me? Are you sure? You sure? You have any question? No. Okay. Praise God. Amen. See the Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that you saw that you see all over that book. At all those times that Jesus was, that, that those things were recorded of Jesus. Jesus were was in a dual kind of operation. He was doing two things, doing good and healing those that were oppressed of the devil. Two operations packaged in one. That's what Jesus was doing. He was doing good, and he was healing those oppressed of the devil. Doing good, and healing those oppressed of the devil. Doing good, and healing those oppressed of the devil. Now, now his good is not apparent. The good he did are you getting me? So, when somebody who see him up, the healing those oppressed of the devil came and called him good, he said, I'm not good. According to that, your sight of good, no man is good but God. I mean, what, your, what you see me do that's making you judge this as good, this is not the good 
that I'm doing. The good that Jesus was doing was hidden. Now, but you see that good that he was doing, that good that he was doing, that good that he was doing, praise the Lord. That good that he was doing is the, it is, it is the, the main essence of salvation. Is the main word. And now everything now, I want you to see, imagine what I'm listening to what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you now is that Jesus was raised for 30 years to do good. Do you get are you getting what I'm trying to say? Now that good that Jesus was doing in that time, when most of his these gospels were recording concerning him, many of those good that those things he was doing. Praise God. There, there's a lot of development that happened before he did that good. That if you read just his words in the Gospels, you can't, it's not easy to see what he was doing. It would take you need to stand on something, on some kind of interpretation. In other words, you need what he did before he started doing good must be interpreted first. Are you getting what I'm saying? What he did before he started doing good must be interpreted first for the sight of his good, of his, what his, his deeds for the sight of his deeds to be manifest. Without the foundation of the preparation of when you see when he was a child, the child Jesus, without, so you see that, wisdom and grace. Are you seeing that? So wisdom and grace were actually preparation for, the, for good works, which he began to do later on. Do you get me? Now, every person who does, has not yet attained to the conversation of the works that he did. See that works he did when he was around those three and a half years is a standard. That in other words, it was the man who God was raising in secret till he got to a point where God now authorized him. Now, Go and leave. Right? When no one knew of him before, there was something being done inside of him. Then God, right? You see, those things he was doing when he began to 
go about after God had anointed him and he was doing good and all that, all of those things that he was doing, that is the standard. That is the standard. That is the point. That is the place where every man ought to labor to come to that place. It is the, that's the point where that is the Praise God. Anybody below that point is a child. Below the standard of the good. Below the, anybody that's, that's below the standard of the works that Jesus did in those three and a half years is still a child. Praise God. Amen. Now, so when, so when Jesus came and at that time praise God. I want you to see Question I want to ask you. What did Jesus mean when he told his mother, my time, my hour has not yet come? In the wedding in Cana of Galilee. That was in John. John chapter chapter 2, right? John chapter 2. Praise the Lord. Now, in John chapter 2, that was when you in, 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 they went to Cana of Galilee for a, for a wedding, right? Let's see, verse 1. It says, and the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage, right? And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto them, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. What's the meaning of this? What is that is hour? And then when did this hour come? I don't, I don't know if you get, get what I'm trying to tell you. Now, I now said, okay, this time, when was this time? Praise God. So I now realized that this time was, this time was before Jesus' graduation. Praise God. Or not just graduation. This was before his approval. 
before his approval. Amen. Amen. Before, the, before Jesus' approval. To be seen by men. Before the all, let me see, before the fullness of his approval. You know, Jesus' approval of being seen was a, was a process. Something, series of things happened till it culminated. The culmination of Jesus' approval that this man can now be seen by men. It wasn't when he was baptized. It wasn't even when the Spirit came upon him, upon baptism. The moment of Jesus' approval to be seen by men was after the temptation in the wilderness. That was it. After his temptation. That was the final, that was the exam. That was the exam that you need, that you need to pass to walk on the earth as a savior. That was the exam. Now the person who went now the person who went to, to Jordan to be baptized was was it was Jesus. It wasn't just Jesus. It was actually Jesus. He was a Christ already. Do you agree? He was a Christ. He was already a Christ. He was a Christ. Not just a Christ, he was a full Christ that was about to graduate into another school. Right. It was a full Christ. He was about to do what? Graduate into another school. Which school was he graduating into? It was the graduation into the school of the works of salvation. Yes. That works of salvation. That's, wow. It's now time. You know, Christ, becoming Christ was one level. Then after, you need to be a Christ for you to, to be a savior. Are you getting me? That's what a Christ was raised for. To, so the Christ is a, is a statue, a man that has been raised to learn the works of salvation. So, you have to become a Christ, then heaven has to certify that. We now have a Christ to, oh, now we have a Christ, open the works he needs to do for salvation. I mean, if you know that in, inside Christ is not the works of salvation. Christ is the development for the school. Of, of salvation. Jesus' salvation school was at three and a half years. And that, was, that was when the journey to the cross started. The journey to the cross. The journey to save. 
the fulfillment of the. And I think I'm getting making sense to you. The works that you need to do for salvation is what you call everlasting works. Everlasting works. Praise God. So who God who did God give for us to have everlasting life? It wasn't Christ. It was not Christ. John was the one who was revealing that. It was not Christ. Christ is not enough to make a man not perish. It's everlasting life. Right? Say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. No, that's what that is. Who is his only begotten son? It's not the son of Mary. Right? He's talking about his only begotten son. His only begotten son is the son of the highest. Right? So that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So, so are you seeing that? So, if you learn Christ, you can perish. If you learn Christ and stop somewhere in your learning in the school of Christ, you can perish. So, when he, Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, right? What were they testing concerning him? What they were testing is that does this man have what it takes to overcome? Now, you, know, now you see those tempting of the devil, was, those were the first temptations. First, the first temptation of the devil. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I now <laughs> figured out that Jesus he was driven by the Spirit, right? into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It was driven by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, when Jesus was driven So the reason why Jesus did not told his mother, my hour is not yet come, is because this marriage, this time of this marriage, was before Jesus went into the wilderness. 
And if you read Matthew, if you read Mark, if you read Luke, it will seem as if, in fact, one of them said, immediately he was driven to the Spirit. It's the way it might seem like as soon as the Holy Ghost came, he just went into the wilderness. No. He didn't go immediately into the wilderness. To be tempted. There, was, there were time, and the, and the Lord permitted somebody. Thank God for John. Thank God for John. He said, Thank God for John. To show him, to John now show that a season in between Jesus coming from Jordan and when he, when he went into the wilderness to be tempted. So you see, instead of after the, the, the Jordan experience, Jesus going into the wilderness, John now took it easy. He took it easy. He told you, the next day. The other verses, the other books do not tell you what happened the next day. So, but the way they narrated the story, there was a gap. Thank God for John that made us know. Because the baptism ended here in Let's see, John chapter 1, verse, amen. You see in verse 27 is when John was speaking, right? He it is who is coming, what? After me is prepared before me. Whose shoe latched? I'm not worthy to unloose, right? Then these things were done in Bertha beyond Jordan, where John was baptized. And then the next day, you see, John seared Jesus coming unto him. And then he said, behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away what? The sins of the world. This is who of whom I said, after me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Wherefore, I might come, do what? Baptizing with water. And then he began to say a lot of things. Praise God. And verse 34, and I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Then 35, again the next day after. So John was going, things that um, happened, because those things are important. There's an insight into the things that this season, this phase of Jesus. This was a season of transition for Jesus. This was a time when a door was about to be opened to God. This was a time when Jesus was passing from Christ into everlasting life. This was the season of that graduation for John. This is what John captured, this season of Jesus' life. Praise the Lord. Now, so he said here the next day, of course, now. Amen. Praise the Lord. This was when he saw John again. See, and looking upon Jesus, John stood with his disciples, right? Two of his disciples. And then looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, what the Lamb of God. The same thing he said before. So this is what John began to do, right? If not for John, the apostle wouldn't know these things that John the Baptist began to do. You know, when we say, He prepared the way, prepared the way, we just looked like John was just shouting and preaching, and that's all he did. Are you getting what I'm saying? It means that after baptizing Jesus, 
and he saw the spirit and he had that confirmation of the spirit. Now, that confirmation of the spirit upon Jesus, when Jesus came out of the water, what was that confirmation? What did God say about Jesus at that point? He said that this is my beloved son, who what? In whom I'm well pleased. Amen. Now, the son of God, in whom God is well pleased. Are you getting me? The, the beloved son of God, in whom God is well pleased, is Christ. Because Christ is the school of the pleasure of God. Are you getting me? Listen to this carefully. There are two realms when it comes to access to God. There are two realms. There's the realm of pleasure. And then the realm of pleasure is, a, is an intermediate. When you hear that word pleasure, in whom I'm well pleased, it seems like, ah, oh, you've pleased everything. No. No. It's not that. The word pleasure is a Holy Ghost word. He's using it to mark a dimension. It marks a particular attainment. That when this one can please, like a seraphim, a seraphim is a being of pleasure. It's their frame and they are built to please. Right? They do his word. They minister of, minister of his that do what? They do his pleasure. Am I correct? That's Psalm 103. Then but it's a higher dimension above those who do his pleasure. There are those who hack him. Unto the voice of what? Of his word. There are those, so the doer of his pleasure are a bit lower than the handlers of his word. The handlers of his word is a higher realm. God, it takes an everlasting vessel to be a handler of the words of God. Everlasting stature. So you see, the cherubic stature is an everlasting stature. Yes, sir. Right? The seraphic stature is a pleasure stature. They can please. They can please, but, they, but there's a graduation beyond pleasing. Are you getting me? You please to come and learn the handling of God's own word. So that word, the handling of God's own word is the, the realm of, is the, is the realm of, of the actual world of salvation, right? It's the realm of the speaking of God's own life. Say God's own life. God's own life. Christ is not God's own life. Christ is a created life. God's life is not created. They are not the same thing. Christ is a creature of God. God created it. It wasn't there. Christ was not there from the eternal, ever, from the beginning. No, it wasn't there. God created at some point. God said, okay, I want to create a, a kind of life called Christ. It's a, it's a new life. It's a life. I want to create it. God created it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, what is the Christ life? The Christ life is the life of a of a stature of pleasure, right? So what do we, how do we program a life that we can use to test 
or we can use to produce a soul that is that is that is that has been. So, so when you say pleasure, please, please, it's a work. It's a work. Now, now when they finish that work with you, they will now say, okay, this one is a pleaser. Let's put him here. Now we can give him work to do. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? The real work is his life, his own God's own life. So you see that God's own life, God doesn't give it like that. There must is a realm that you come into to begin to handle the, the life of God. That thing called everlasting. God so loved the world that he, that he gave his only, he only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So that life, not any soul, candles everlasting life. Everlasting life is actually the principle, the work of God's own life. Is that, it's what we call everlasting life. So Christ is the stature that has been raised to begin to do the work or the handling of that life. Or you, you raise a Christ to graduate into the school of hearkening. Into the voice of whose word? His word. Are you seeing that? Say voice. Say his word. That's another level. Does that make sense to you? So this, so Jesus Christ at Jordan, what God said that this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What God was saying that this is a Christ. This is a full Christ. Yes, this is a full Christ. He's a, this is a full pleaser. I mean, if you know Christ is also a son of God. Are you getting me? But when you become a full Christ, you now graduate. You graduate into the world, the realm of hearkening. Where you now begin to check Jesus of Nazareth. That's all he was doing. Hearkening. 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 He wasn't done doing Christ. It was the hearkening, handling of the Father's word, voice. That was the work, the good work that he was doing that time. So, you now see that later on, remember later on, when Jesus, after a while, Jesus now took them to the mountain of transfiguration. And then when he took them to the mountain of transfiguration, Moses came and bore witness and Elijah came and then God spoke again from at that time. That was when God now said something. He added something. He added something. Before, the, before, not down here, before they hid him. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because he, was no, he knew he was still hidden. That's why he said, my hour is not yet come. Mother, my hour is not, is not yet come. So before that season, God has not, so, Praise God. Christ is not authorized to speak for God. The person who can 
speak for God. Must be the son of the highest. He said, who God has sent? What? Speak at God's words. Camila, 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 Camila. Chester Paris Tuste. Paris Tusti Caparuste. Cariesta Parioste Paparito Tuste. Pariasta Cariasta Patocorioste. Pariasta Cariesto Capriore Oste Cariosteca. Ori Camaranoste Paraduca. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Many cana lure lika imne nur alma saile mi coriende melicalo li embra de ai. Shabara papa 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 papa. Krem sai malahai. Eranoi Caridos de Pari di Ulfrendo Ramiel to Maricambrandu Sabriel Tabiajo Shinjori Kaya. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. You, know, you see why John chapter 1 he said that no man had seen God at any time. No man has seen God at any time. 
no man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He had done what? Declared. He has declared him. He has declared him. So it's very clear that the reason for that time of Jesus was the declaration. Yes, sir. Right. Praise God. So, so Jesus graduated from the, from the realm of Christ into another realm. Right. The, the realm from where the, the everlasting man. That was, so you see the Jesus that we see that's recorded in most of the gospel is the everlasting man. Was not the Christ. The Christ was revealed later in the epistles. God had to raise Paul to begin the revelation of what was done before. But you see, the everlasting man, that Jesus, praise God. He was, amen. That transfiguration encounter, remember how, how Peter rendered it? He said, we were with he on the holy mount. See, we've not followed cunning in device tables when we've made unto you the word, the power and the word coming of about where what I we let's see for we were with him on the word for receive from God, sorry, honor and glory when they came from where do you see where that voice came from? Now it's not just from heaven now. Praise God. So the, so the voice that spoke concerning him was not just from heaven. He said from the excellent glory. That realm of excellent glory is the realm of the highest. That realm of the excellent glory is where they want to bring many sons into. Are you seeing that? So that realm of the excellent glory, there came a voice from the excellent glory Say that what? This is my word, in whom, then he added to it, what? Hear ye him. Hear ye him. Hear ye him. Now, when you are below, when you are when you are below that position, right of the of the school of the of of the son, of this is sonship, right? You cannot hear God's voice below that realm. You cannot hear. You must. You must. They must raise you. They must raise you into his own arena of speaking. Hebrews 1 puts it another way. Say, God, who in sundry times and in diverse manner spoke unto the fathers by the prophet. Now, what is, say God. God. So that's not Holy Spirit speaking. 
that was not Christ speaking. They say God, God. Now, of course, God had dealings with the fathers, right? Because the fathers, in their living soul estate, God had God manufactured an everlasting domain for them. God was able to create an everlasting kind of experience, which was a type of it, not truly everlasting, but which was a type. Because so those men were everlasting in things pertaining to the earth. That's what made them a father, or made them fathers. And when it when pertained to earthly things, they were everlasting in that order. So God had to create a way of accessing them and speaking to them. Praise the Lord. So God spoke directly to the fathers. God did not, did not speak directly to anybody else. Right. Every other person who God was trying to speak to, God had to use some kind of medium. After a while, God had to raise the tabernacle. Right. And God had to raise priests in the tabernacle. Right. And make, give them the ability to speak at different dimensions, at different levels to Israel. Israel. Amen. When Moses was caught up into God's realm, that was, that was Moses' own everlasting experience of everlasting realm. You know, he was, he, when Moses became one with the, with the most holy place, you know, that's, the, that's what the everlasting world, when you step into the most holy, you step into the everlasting, everlasting realm. That's when Moses stepped into that realm in the mountain. He transcended the limitations of Israel. And he was able to stay and endure the, the everlasting presence of God. And he became one with the glory. He became one with the... Amen. So you can say that Moses was brought to glory. You understand that? Amen. So because of that, he became one with that realm. Now, as soon as that happened, God took Moses from Israel. God took... In fact, the, the, the person that he was speaking to mainly was unto Aaron. He could speak to Aaron at a level I perceive. He could speak to Aaron's sons too. But I'm sure to speak to Aaron's sons, he will have to descend in a certain way to speak to Aaron's son. But he was able to speak to Aaron himself partially because Aaron, even though he did not have the inheritance of glory, he was given, he was given the access to the way to glory. Aaron did not inherit the realms of glory. Aaron did not inherit the, 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 the most holy. Aaron inherited the way into the most holy. So once in a year, he can pass that way and then pass the way back. Pass the way. He can't change his mind and decide to sleep there because that is not his realm. He, has to, he was only granted access to the way. Are you getting what I'm saying? Amen. So it means that when Moses is speaking to Aaron, Moses will never tell Aaron about the particulars of that realm. But he can talk to him about how, how to access. So, you tell, so when you are coming once a year, this is what you should do. Make sure you are arranged this way. Put a bell around you. Wear this, wear that, wear that. Just for the access. Just to part that veil and just come there and do some temporary thing and go. But all the preparation to abide, to stay. You know, the way, the way Moses will stay inside God's presence. The glory will be talking to him. And he's there. What things, what, <laughs> praise God. 
to start what all Israel were running from. They wanted to die. They almost passed out. He was able, he was able to endure and commune with it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that kind of being, that kind of being, you can't just, God can't just take him and just give him to every Israelite. No. For when he came down, he had to do things. He had to put a veil over his face. It means that this realm is not for you. You have to cover it, that veil. Praise God. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? There is a veil attached to the realm of the holiest. There's a veil that covers that word, that realm. There's a veil that covers that realm. Praise God. You see, God who has hundred times diverse was mine, has spoken to the fathers by the prophets, but as in this last day spoken unto us by who? By his son. He has spoken unto us by his son. It's not everybody. It's not the, it's not. Now all of us now, in the, all Christians, God has spoken to us by his son. No. Go and read Hebrews. You know what that? This letter is not for everybody. They were trying to Paul was trying to bring that conversation to some guys. It's funny that those ones are dull of hearing. Right? They can't hear. Of whom we have much, many things to say. But you are dull. You are dull of hearing. You are dull of hearing. You, are, you know, the book of Hebrews is not really, Hebrews is not really, really the book of everlasting life. It's not really, really the book of everlasting life. One of the main purposes of Hebrew is to repair issues that has to do with souls that should be in that realm, that should have been inherited that realm. What are the war things fighting against them? So the book of Hebrew is, that, is, that, is also still a book that was carved out of the Christ apostolic mantle of Paul, but the end part of it the part of it that, that is the preparation for, the everlast, for everlasting life. Of course, when you are in that preparation for the everlasting world, you must be able to fetch conversation from that realm. But that sometimes when the conversation is landing, you will not find, ah, they are dull of hearing. No. Like when he, he, he began to, to flow into the things of Melchizedek. Then when he was... As when he mentioned the guy's name, after a while, he said that. Are you getting me? So he mean that he mentioned, you know, that guy had no beginning of life, no end of days, and all that. But he couldn't begin to explain what those things mean too much because you guys are dull. We have many things to say about this realm, about this man, but you are you are really dull of hearing. Are you getting what I'm saying? They will not be dull of hearing. Yeah. So that you see that you see speaking of that realm doesn't just land anyhow. It's the same place Jesus got to have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. You can't bear those things. You cannot bear those things. You cannot bear them. Praise the Lord. Amen. So so that way. Moses was able to speak concerning that way towards Aaron. 
but he couldn't speak of the, the he couldn't describe particularly. Amen. You remember also in the book of Hebrews, Paul also says something like that. Yes. I think Hebrews chapter 9. When he began to describe, he said, of which things we can't now speak. Let's see that. See, Hebrews chapter 9, right, verse 1. It says, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made the first, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the shewbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, you see, so that second veil now is this veil that is veiling the, the everlasting realm and the eternal realm. Amen. So after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid around with gold, wherein was the gold pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of covenant. And then over it the cherubims of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat, you see, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, see. Praise God. Now, when you say we cannot speak, now, you see, he mentioned all the things that are there. Right? You're asking, okay, what are the things that he mentioned them, but he said, we, we cannot now speak particularly about them. There is a place, there's a time of speaking particularly about the things of this realm. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. Right. But into the second went the, the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. Then the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while, the fir- while as the first tabernacle was what? Standing. Say the way into the holiest. Say the way, the way into the holiest of all. Was not yet what? Was made manifest. Amen. So you see this way into the holiest is what opened up to Jesus after the fullness of his development as Christ. Praise God. Now after that time, the Holy Ghost came upon him and everything. Right? God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I'm well pleased with him. Oh. But now, so I now need to send my spirit to, to drive him now into the wilderness. To be tempted of the devil. Now, if him being pleased with him is everything, why will he now still be trying him? Why will he now send him to be tempted? Of who? Of what? Of the devil. To be tempted of the devil. That's where the beginning of his dealings with the devil himself began. Now, the, the temptation on the mountain was not the greatest tempting temptations of the devil. 
in that mountain temptation, the devil did not tempt Jesus with himself, really. He didn't tempt him with himself, really. The devil did not unveil his own glory to Jesus. God did not permit him to do that. Even though how, you know even how the devil behaves as if he just does anything he like. He doesn't do anything he like. Before the devil came to tempt Jesus, he has first gone to God. And you know, you know now, they showed it during Job now. You know, that's how your praise is the same method every time. If Satan could just go and do anything he likes to Job, why did he go and be asking God, God, is he that your son Job? <laughs> Was God even said, have you seen my servant Job? But do you think that Satan hasn't seen him before? <laughs> if Satan hasn't seen him, why would God be asking him, have you seen him? And you now realize, after God asked him, have you seen him? You now realize that Satan has seen him since. <laughs> he has been watching him. He has been watching him. You know what I mean? But he couldn't just by his own will just bring all those assault upon Job. He couldn't do that. Because God had his finger, his hands around him. Why? Because it was, he, was, he was in order. When you are aligned, when you are in order, God's hand is around you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Like Jesus had order. He didn't break order. You saw his conversation in Luke. How he was under his parents. How he was following order. That's why, because of that, that's it. Satan would have killed him a long time ago. So I know that even that, so you now see why for him to be tempted of the devil at that level, God has already spoken with the devil. They've already decided, okay, it's time for this kind of temptation. Oh, yeah, you can now go and wait for him in the wilderness. I will bring him to you. So, he now triggered the spirit in him. And then he was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Are you seeing that? It was an arrangement. It was a controlled temptation. It wasn't being tempted by Bible, the Bible does not say that, and then he got to the wilderness, and the devil, the Lucifer, unveiled all his person. God will not permit him to do that. Why? Because Jesus Christ was entering into the, the school of the works. So, they had to now tempt the stature, which is the stature of the Son of God, who is the pleaser of God. Right? Which is actually the fullness of Christ. So what was being tempted in that temptation was the fullness of Christ. Right? Turning stone to bread. Casting yourself down. Right? And then what? Glories of the world. Those are the temptations of Christ. Sorry, that you, you tempt a Christ. The temptation for the fullness of Christ. There are greater other temptations than that. Do you agree with me? But that one had to... It is that... Is the, is, the, is the fulfillment of that that opens up the way into the school of everlasting works, which Jesus began to do for the next three and something years. Does that make sense? So you now see, so if you understand why Jesus said in, when he went to Cana of Galilee that my hour is not yet come, right? Because the hour to be made manifest before men had not yet come. And, and the way John wrote it, 
you now realize that Cana, this marriage thing, you know, there's a way we saw that it's like, it's like this happened when Jesus was starting ministry, but this happened before, after baptism, before wilderness. After baptism, before wilderness. Because you saw, he said the next day, John said, behold, the Lamb of God. Then the other, the, after the, that one, that, so the first time was ver, ver, John chapter 1, verse 29. Right? So that was one day after he got baptized. So what John did. Like I was saying before, John didn't just baptize him and go away. Right? This, it means that John was actively transferring disciples to Jesus. Right? Because if you read the next verse, verse 36, sorry, verse 35, and again the next day after John stood and with two of John's own disciples, looking upon Jesus, he pointed to him as he walked, said, Behold the Lamb. Look, who told them, Look at the Lamb of God. He was showing them to him. And then what happened? What happened? The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. He was transferring disciples to who? To Jesus. So they began to refer to Jesus as the lamb right here. So before he wasn't a lamb. Do you agree? This is, he has become a lamb. Who is the lamb of God? The lamb is one who has been redeemed from the earth. Right, that's God's own. That's the full lamb. Uh-huh. Are you getting me? Well, really, the lamb of God is a raw material in God's hand for the school of everlasting life. The lamb is a soul, is a Christ that has, is ready for the pastures of everlasting life. The pastures of God. That is what Jesus was. So he was the lamb. Now, of course, that lamb, God cannot just take him that day, that day, and crucify him. Because he wasn't ready. Every lamb to be slain, he was led. Every lamb must be led to the slaughter. According to the, you see, you see he was led as a lamb to where? To the slaughter. Who led him to the slaughter? It was God. It was the leading of God. Are you getting me? So the leading of the lamb to the slaughter is not leading in Christ. No, 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 no. Where they are leading Christ is not to be sacrificed. It's not Christ who was slaughtered. Who was, it's not Christ who died for you, really. It was the Son of God. Do you understand that? Do you see that? So the, the purpose of the fullness of Christ is to become a lamb that can come to God, that God can now lead in everlasting paths. Because the path that leads to the slaughter or the path that leads to death is the everlasting path, the everlasting ways, the everlasting works is what leads to what? Being offered. So when John, when, so John was anointed to discern the lamb, ah, when he saw him, this is the lamb of God. This is the, this is the, the, this is the lamb of God. Behold the lamb of God. Behold the lamb of God. 
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Now, remember what he said. He said, take it away. Take it away. He wasn't talking about, talking about, he wasn't talking about his blood being shed yet or the actual sacrifice for the sins. He's talking about him gathering the sins. That's what he was doing for three and a half years. To, to take it away. The man who is carrying it, who came to carry the sins. What, what Jesus did that three and a half years was Johnny pushing sins to the cross. Gather the sins. Push them. Push them to the cross. When they say he was tempted in all points without sin, that wasn't talking about when he was 12 years old. Let me just be honest with you. The point that count in the, in the order of remission is the point from this, this time when his, his lamb walk, that his lamb journey, that was a critical moment. This time when he was... He was when he was doing the everlasting works. Because it's everlasting works that remit sin. Ezekiel called it making an end of sins. Making an end of sins. And then the bringing in of everlasting righteousness. Praise the Lord. Am I making sense to you? So when John saw him, look at the Lambo, he's taking away the sins. That's what... <laughs> Then when the disciples saw him, they followed him. Ah, where are you staying, sir? Where do you stay? Where do you live? He said, come and see. Come and see. See that word? What that word, come and see, tell to me. It's come, you're coming to see a stature. Come and, come and behold. Come and, then when you say, I'm taking you to where I stay, where I live. Praise God. Let's not, let's not spend too much time here because of time. So, so Jesus, so they followed Jesus. The two disciples heard him and then they followed him, right? So this was the next day. So after he was baptized the next day, then the next day after that. Praise God. And then verse 43, the day following. That was on the third day after he was baptized, right? That was when he found Philip and told Philip to follow him. That was the third day. Do you believe that? After he was baptized. Then chapter 2, verse 1, the third day. So that was after that next day, three days after. So that means the day of the marriage in Cana was six days after the baptism of Jesus. So, you see that, so, so they didn't miss days, six days. It's very clear then that between that time and now, he couldn't have gone into the wilderness for 40 days and come back. Because you know that he spent 40 days. Do you see that? They didn't break days. So, six days after, you see, following, following, after. Then, so this, is six, so this was six days after he has come. So, it means the spirit was heavy upon Jesus. At this time. But his mother called him. Let's go. We are going to a wedding. 
with that spirit upon him. But he didn't, he didn't disobey. But you see, but he told his mother that the hour had not yet come. So it means that at this time, he hadn't graduated into the season of those works yet. He hasn't moved into the season. Of, there was something that he was still waiting. So he, that means it wasn't just, it was a package, a process of this, the baptism, the spirit coming upon him. Praise God. And that will culminate in him then being driven by the spirit into the wilderness. You get that. So that there, they can now try fully. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. The devil. I believe also another reason why they brought the devil was for God to engage the devil. You get what I mean? Because I believe Jesus was maybe shielded from the devil for a long time. I mean devil himself. You know what I mean? I don't mean the world. He was dealing with the world, right? And he was overcoming the world. That's what Christ is. Christ makes you overcome the world. Amen. But when it was time for a fullness, okay, the person who, who tries, who tempts an everlasting man, or not an everlasting man, a man who in the school of everlasting life is not the world. It's not the world. It is the devil. It is the devil. So that was the season. So you see all those times from this season to when he got to the cross, it was the devil with him. The devil constantly. The devil had to incarnate himself inside Judas to make sure, to make sure that he's with him constantly. So, so, so when the devil wants to tempt somebody, the devil, devil doesn't tempt from the, you know that thing called the air. When he, in his position in the air, from that realm, the only, thing, the only temptation he can really do when he's there is that it's, it's worldly kind of temptation. He can use the world and all of that necessarily. But if the devil wants to really attempt a person, he must enter into somebody. Right? He must use a man, a man who can, who can yield his members, his vessels to be used fully. Amen. Remember when, so when Jesus, he tended Jesus, he now said, and Jesus overcame him, he said that he left him alone for what, a season. He said, what are we doing this? <laughs> we'll be doing this. So, so I brought everything about the world right now. Okay, no, if I, no problem. I would begin to, to add little salt and pepper of my own things. Gradually, just little by little. Little by little. Devil. When you say Pharisee, who is that? Is that the world? Pharisee is not the world. It's just a Christ cannot handle a Pharisee. Pharisee have anointing of devil. Right? They have devil anointing. So, so God, will not, God will not expose Jesus 
the child Jesus to Pharisees. Those are the things that God was shielding him from. He said, my hour is not yet coming. Those things that he must be shielded from all those kind of men at that young age. Praise the Lord. When Jesus began to, after he overcame that temptation, then he then came in. Remember in the book of Luke? After he left the wilderness, he began to preach. He began to preach. He was going to, he had to go to the temple to preach, and one day he went into the temple and he picked the book and opened when it was written concerning him. It's very clear that where he opened and he read, and then let's read that place as we close. Thank you, Jesus. Shamarahata Surya. Master Paralo Hata Marikala Bazuria and the Bravo de Heno, say. Carios da Pandolita Lada. Marcus Orcleos. A Christus Surianta. Thank you, Father. Oh, we give you glory. Shabarahus de Prustios, Coriela Mosus de Provenendes, Ulcalma, Culpro ante Priestus, Palatai, 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 Corioscos, Shamarusista Provencisco, Tamano. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So after the temptation, temptation ended in. Verse 13, it says, and when the devil had ended all the temptation, that he departed from him for a season, right? And then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. You, so, you, of course, you see why he could teach in their synagogue, right? Because he was, he was a mouthpiece of God. Should I tell you guys something? The real people who are really ordained to teach the church are men with everlasting words, who have had access to the words of God. The church is still growing. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. But you see, you see this realm, this is the real realm of this weird Christianity. When we enter this world, we've started. Do you understand it? You see, the, the Christ realm is to show, show the preparation. It's for the preparation for 
the ever, for everlasting life. See, the learning of everlasting life is the real learning, it's the real God's life that God wants to give. That's the real school of the life that God wants to give to men. But the realm of Christ is the preparation, is the foundation. That's how the, word, the Bible uses it. Foundation for that learning. So Jesus came into the temple, right, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and then recovery of what? Sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he stopped there. Because we know that where that, that place is taken from, there is more. But he stopped at this place, and then he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And he now said, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say unto them, this, is, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So what he's telling them is that, you see, this what's happening today, where I am right now in my, my play, current position, aligns with what I just read. Are you getting me? So it means that Jesus was, this was the season of him being accepted. Jesus was just accepted into the everlasting world from where he will now begin to do the works. For three and a half years he was doing that. So he said, these days this scripture fulfilled. So the acceptable year of the Lord is that year. is the year of passage through of the, the year of the way into the holiest being made manifest. The way Hebrews 9 uses it. That way being made manifest. It's also the time of bringing of sons into the realm of glory. Of the reaping of sons into that realm. Where they can begin to do glorious works. Praise God. It's also the season of passing by the new and living way. According to Hebrews chapter 10, it's having boldness to enter into the holiest of all by the blood of Christ. By a new and living way consecrated for us through the veil, which is to say his flesh. And then having a high priest over the house of God. Are you seeing that? The theme for our convention this year is the new and living way. Praise God. God wants to open that way. He wants to show you the will. Through it will give us vision, sight of the, of the realm where that way is leading to. At the same time, shoring up, raising and the foundation and perfecting the foundation that we need to stand upon to, 
to journey into that, into that realm. Amen. Father, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you praise. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we bless you. 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 Sharadama Huriara Musto Pradaralo. Karima Taparudeso. Faradia Tai Sami Omenka. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Father, thank you for your word tonight. We give all the glory to your name. Thank you because you just began to speak. You will yet speak and you will speak more and there will be more crystallization Lord, of what you're trying to communicate to our hearts. Father, my prayer to you, let no heart be left behind. No soul be left behind. I ask for grace for every soul to journey, to take this leap. Lord, has been brought to us by your mercy. Thank you, our Father. Holy Spirit, minister it, teach it, show it, unveil it, create, demonstrate it. Thank you, our Father. Give all the glory to you. Bless your holy name, Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. you dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.